0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. We are in a brand new sermon series called The Wise Life in which we're examining the topic of wisdom. I want to be a wise person. I imagine you do too. Nobody wants to say, I, you know, I want to be a fool. That's what I want to be. I want to be an absolute fool, a buffoon. I want to make a mockery of my life and lead myself down a path of destruction. Nobody says that, but sometimes that's the way things end up. And so we're going through five questions for the next five weeks, which will uh, kind of allow us to slow down and pause and reflect and ask ourselves these questions. And as we answer them, I think it'll lead us to wisdom. And the first question's a doozy. That's what we're going to be looking at this week. It's the question: uh, Am I being honest with myself, really? As the author John Ortberg once wrote, uh, "The human capacity for self-deception is nearly endless." And that's just what it means to be human to live in a sin-stained world. We don't see ourselves very well. There are elements of blindness we don't even see ourselves well some people call this the jahari window right it's the the idea that we need other people to chime in to tell us things about ourselves that we can't even see and um this is what it means uh to live as people and so we don't want to be people who are self-deceived you know um to, to quote that famous hip-hop line or to paraphrase that h- famous hip-hop line by Big Daddy Kane, uh, I don't want to call myself a Nintendo because I just played myself, right? I I want to be wise. I want to be smart. And um, I need God to help me do that. So we're going to dive into that very topic here with J. Kim and Steve Clifford. They're going to talk a little bit about what it means to to not be people who are self-deceived and how we can avoid self-deception and get out of that with God's help. So with that, let's just dive right in. Hey everybody, welcome to the Afterword. I'm Dave Tish, and we're uh, we're we're not really in the studio. We are we're going back to our old ways. We've got on a on a three way Zoom call. We've got Steve Clifford and Jay Kim. Hey guys, welcome and thanks for being with me.
1: Yep, glad to be here. Good to good to see you guys on my computer screen.
0: <laughs> Normally we do this in the studio, but just for a variety of reasons, we had to we had to do this virtual uh, this week. Uh, was kind of our second week in our Wise Life series. But in a way, it's kind of the first week because last week was kind of an introduction to wisdom. And this is kind of the first week where we're talking about these, these questions that we're going to go through. We're going to go through uh, several different questions. I think, is it five total questions we're going to be asking? Um, yeah. Yeah, and this is the first one. And this is kind of based on Andy Stanley's book, The Wise Life, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And so to, the, the first week this first question is a doozy in fact if you kind of get this one wrong none of it works (laughs) and it's the question um am I being honest with myself and then dot 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 the ellipses really so first of all just before we jump in uh just how do you think about this first question as a it it does seem found do do you think it's as foundational as I think it is
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other questions um, and and wisdom itself can't be built on lies. the whole the whole thing. Ooh. the whole thing tumbles if the foundation doesn't have integrity um, behind it. And and so I, I will tell you, I don't, Jay. I don't know how you feel, but this is a, this was a very hard sermon uh, to prepare for. Um, because I had to ask myself (laughs) what's really going on behind some things really am I being honest and um, you know I don't I don't uh, I don't tend to like those those questions very much
1: yeah yeah and I think uh, sometimes it's blatant it's a blatant self-deception but I also think oftentimes it's just a, a lack of Intention, you know. Dallas Willard talks about sins of commission and sins of omission, and you can almost kind of apply that here. Uh, sometimes we are intentionally self-deceptive. Sometimes I think we're just not even aware how much we're lying to ourselves, you know, about about our motivations, because it's so easy to kind of justify our behavior as as unwise as it is sometimes and move on because it doesn't feel very good to linger in it long enough to get to the uncomfortable truths so but like steve said if we don't do that work honestly the other the the next four questions don't really even matter because there's no way to answer those questions appropriately if you're not honest with yourself
0: right well, and like yeah. you said, it, it's not just if you're if you're honest with yourself. Sometimes uh, we can be like earnest and still self deceived. Uh, there was a quote that I think Jay you put it in in your message. It's from Richard Feynman. It says the first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. Right? This is kind of self deception. Is would you say that self deception is one of the um, the 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 Kind of the default setting of the uh, of the human condition,
2: yeah, I think that it is. And I think it's coupled with a culture
1: that Ooh, tells yeah. you
2: you can trust yourself. yeah, um, the mess the one of the dominant messages that you're going to hear is to trust your heart, yeah. and the the scriptures tell us no. <laughs> The heart is not, not dishonest, not untruthful. It's deceitful. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's a deep layer of, um, it's one thing to lie. It's another thing to be deceitful. It's got this idea of, of, of an agenda that it's trying to move you towards. And um, I, I absolutely think coupled against the messages that we get from our culture that we can trust our heart. Um I think it's we are easily fooled.
0: Right. You're referring to that the famous verse in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it, right? Is that is that what you're referring to? Yes, yes. Yeah. And then you're also referring to the 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 general cultural statement, which is like super ubiquitous, which is just follow your heart, right? Just that's the way you get. you want in life and that's everywhere
2: yeah i I think that um you know jay was the one who came up for our message the, the second corinthians 13 message where it says to examine or to test yourself
0: oh i see
2: and it's this it's this idea of putting on trial really really doing the work to to get down in and um you know christianity says test your heart and culture says trust your heart wow so that they're yeah those are different yeah you can see how it makes it difficult work i remember back i I, I will tell you this as we tell as we say to people your heart's wicked there is something in the american soul that says no it is not you are (laughs) wrong about me yeah and um And that just tells you how deceived we are.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Have you encountered that too, Jay, this pushback against the idea that your heart, uh, I mean, just even saying your heart is deceitfully wicked makes it sound a bit like um, everyone's always bad all the time. But I I don't know if that's exactly what people might think, but have you seen pushback against this idea that uh, we should not trust our heart?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's in everything. It's in... The songs we listen to, the movies we watch, the books we read. It's all really, you know, uh, pop culture offers us just uh, an endless, relentless array of uh, romanticized versions of trusting our hearts, following our feelings, you know? Um, Yeah. And so it's not even like an idea that people have to choose to believe or not believe. I think to Steve's point, it's, it's kind of ingrained in the American DNA, you know, Um, it's sort of found in a, a little bit of that sort of like a love it or leave it kind of ethos, you know, I am what I am. We are what we are and it's good And if you don't like it, you can get out. And um, it's interesting to me. I think we live uh, sort of really fractured as individuals. I think on the one hand, we think way too highly of ourselves. We think that our hearts are naturally uh, good and true and right, never deceptive, always honest. We think that how we feel What we feel inside is the truest thing about us. And so that's a way of thinking way too highly of ourselves. But I think what that then does is it leads us to actually thinking way too little of ourselves. What Mm -hmm. I mean is following your heart inevitably leads you to a lack, you know, a sort of uh, desperate longing for something that your own heart and your own desires can't actually mm-hmm. totally satisfy. There's that incredible C.S. Lewis quote about, you know, I'm paraphrasing him, but he says if your heart longs for something that this world cannot satisfy, maybe it's because your heart was made for another world, sort of yeah,
0: thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and then we end up in total despair because we come to realize following our heart didn't lead us to the thing uh, that we thought would really truly satisfy. And then we're just kind of left in a rut, like, well, I'm a failure or I'm not worth it or a meaningful life of joy and peace and flourishing. It's not possible. I tried. It's not possible. And that's where the gospel comes in. I think it's impossible to understand the grace of God and the love of Jesus in a deep, meaningful, rich way. Uh, until you get really honest about, um, the, the sort of self-deceptive tendencies of your own heart and, uh, the intrinsic inability to forge the sort of life you want. And until you get honest about that, I I can't see a way where you can really fully, truly embrace the the free gift of grace that God offers us, you know, because grace is a gift unearned, you know, and, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know, I, I see a lot of that in myself and, and people, this sort of weird back and forth juxtaposition of thinking way too highly of myself, and then finding myself in utter despair, uh, because I, I follow my heart. And I think that's going to lead me to a certain place. And it always fails. So my hope is, you know, as we talk about this, hopefully, we can, we can sort of, you know, minimize how much of the heartache and heartbreak of that process we go through by just beginning on the right foot, which is to say, the human heart is deceptive, you know, but for the grace of God, my feelings would lead me toward a path of destruction and decay. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah,
0: I remember a couple of years. Sorry, go ahead, Steve.
2: I was just going to say that I think that that's the that's one of the most attractive things about the Christian faith is that it it coincides so closely to reality. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's not this yeah. false utopian pie in the sky view about who we are and yet um there's a pro- there's a pronouncement over our inability to reach God and then God intervening. Yeah on our behalf, and Jesus, that's why a Savior had to die, because yeah. our brokenness was so very deep, and then to see that, the, then in that, the brokenness remains, but the, but the restoration is possible, and meaning is now brought into even our worst moments, um, it, it just makes it, to me, it just it makes one of the reasons I embrace Christianity is because of the beauty I find within it. And, yeah. and some of this is some of the most beautiful teaching there is.
0: It reminds me of a couple of years ago, uh, Steve, you and I were working on the 640 book, the first uh, iteration that we put out. We were just trying to get everything down. And we were going through the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And I, I did the, the word study on the 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 Hebrew word for heart. And it's the the word labab and the Greek word for it is "cardia," where we get cardio, cardiovascular, and this is used a thousand times in the Bible, which is by far the most common anthropological term used in the Bible, and as I was doing the research, there was this uh, two-volume commentary on the book of Proverbs by Tremper Longman and Bruce Waltke, who are just studs of Old Testament scholarship, and they said, actually, the word for heart we think of it as like emotions, but they said it's actually better translated as like your motives. And then Brashir's later on when I was in seminary, Brashears called it our control panel. And the whole idea is that our control panel is miswired and we have to have God come in and rewire it. Otherwise we'll get shorted out or go after. And that's just not a modern concept we'd like. No one is telling you that your control panel is shorted out and that you're gonna have some real problems if you don't tend to it you know what I mean? So I I, I just find that like, really, it's very countercultural. And yet it does seem
2: super duper true.
0: (laughs) Like we all know people who have gone after their heart and destroyed their lives or destroyed parts of their lives, you know?
2: Yeah, and this will sound like the old man talking, but the people who argue the strongest about the integrity of the heart and how you can trust it are typically the younger.
0: Oh, yes. Uh,
2: You just after a while you recognize recognize the, uh, the patterns in your life, um, where you just, uh, you just begin. And, and, you know, we'll, we, we've talked about how that means some dumb purchases or some silly stuff that we've done, but, and, and if it were just that, if it were just that, that would be one thing, but we make decisions that have lifelong consequences. (laughs) Yeah. Um, with, uh, was trusting in one of the worst mechanisms to do it. Yeah.
0: I'd love to get into examples here, but I I don't want to put anyone on blast. I'd love to hear either pastoral or personal examples of times when you've deceived yourself, because I was just thinking about it. And there's a couple of things that I, I like, it's kind of, it's kind of shameful. I was looking back at my own life and I'm like, Oh man, I was not just a fool. I was a, a really intentionally blind fool. Like I, I covered my eyes. I, I put my fingers in my ears and I did, I ignored all evidence, you know, it was, have you, have you guys seen this? I I would just love, I I just, I think it's also kind of fun to like poke fun at that, to let everyone know, like, this is the human condition, you know, this is what we do. So do you guys have uh, like examples of stuff that, that um, you've encountered maybe in your own life or it, and and you don't have to put people on blast, but I, I just think that that's always fun to do.
2: Well, I, 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 uh, I share a, uh, some some in the message, so I don't want to use those and just double up. But one of them I won't share that's really pretty unique and um, is I delayed becoming a lead pastor for a long time. And, and I told myself a narrative that um, avoided the truth.
0: Well, what and was a, that narrative a, that you, a, you told the yourself? The narrative
2: was I didn't want to lead. Hmm. but the the truth was i didn't want responsibility
0: hmm. oh wow
2: and now i was there was a time when i wasn't ready to lead so sure. part of that sure, time sure. i was i simply wasn't ready but i was an associate pastor for 14 years um kind of second chair guy sure and um you know that a lot of that time i i I just kind of, I was content. I, I I was, it wasn't that I was really chomping because yeah. I had already dismissed that as an opportunity. I just said, I'm not going to lead. I don't want to lead. And it wasn't until someone came along that knew me pretty well, an older leader and said, you're hiding.
0: Oh, so they kind of called it
2: out like a David Nathan. Yeah. Like
0: yeah. they were, and, and did you, did you in feel fact, in that kind was, of...
2: It's uh, the founder, the founding pastor of South Hills Church, Bill Lawrence, is who did it.
0: Oh, wow. 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 Yeah.
2: Called it yeah. out on me. And wow. uh, it was, it was, I, I told him he was full of bull, basically, and, and denied it because, because that was a narrative. The narrative has to make sense in your mind. Yeah. And when the truth butts up against it, you, you defend, yeah. you defend your lie you defend the reality of what you believe to be true, even though you get so much evidence that it's not. Um, And for several years, I was challenged that I should have my own church and I should go and lead a church. I just kept saying, no, no, no. And um, you know, I just delay. I now that it's now that I'm at the end of my career um, or the, not the end, but the, the last season of my career, I, I I would like to have some additional years. I would have, mm-hmm. but God in his grace was yeah. very gracious to us and led us to just the right spot. And so, so that was a I conversation
0: up, that somebody said, Hey, listen, you're not actually being honest with yourself. You're, you're self deluding, and it's really do some work and, and that conversation really helped you do that inner work.
2: Well, it's, yeah, it started me to, to ch- it started challenging the narrative that I was living. Yeah, yeah. See, and that's the thing is that you you cannot, you cannot in the in your deepest part of your soul you can't believe that what you see, how you're acting is really a lie. You have to make sense of it. So you make sense of it with this false narrative, uh, and your yeah. your heart will cooperate, and you will you. I am in. I just should. I shouldn't say. I am incredibly sophisticated Yes, um, at my ability to deceive myself.
0: Yeah. I think John Ortberg has a phrase that the hum- humans have an endless capacity for self-deception. Uh, and I, I love that. It just feels super duper true. Uh, yeah. But really what you're doing is you're getting to the core motivations. And these are painful. Um, these th- This can be very painful. I remember, uh, and Jay, I'm going to ask you this question too. But I remember when um, there was this moment... Um, years and years ago maybe seven years eight years ago maybe i remember before sermons i would practice like multiple times i'd do run throughs and then i realized i was like i was writing jokes and putting in moments and then i realized i was putting in those jokes and moments not to like disarm the audience but because it would give me feedback and it made me feel good so i would take like time in the message to write in funny bits because the affirmation of the laughter made me feel good and then I was like, "Wait, why?" And then I started thinking, "Why am I preaching?" And I realized I was practicing not because I was trying to deliver and rightly handle the word of God, but because if I failed, that meant I was no good to anybody, to, to especially to God. Because this is so it, it it just unraveled a whole bunch of icky. You know what I mean? Because you start oh, pushing no. on those points, and man, yeah. it's that's painful therapy stuff, right?
2: Yeah, and that's why it's so hard, and that's why I don't want to do it. Is that <laughs> it's not superficial like yeah, I I am just a greedy person. It's it's way more than yeah. that. Yeah.
0: It's
2: it's way down inside. Um I and I have this little facade where I act like the oh all oh, shucks guy, because I don't want people to expect more of me than hmm. than I'm able to deliver. I don't want to fail. I don't I want people to like me and yeah. So
0: man, that's yeah. that's, that's that's deep. Jay, is there, is there something you, you want to share about this? I kind mean, of- there's,
1: yeah, there's so much, so many things. Uh, for me, when you asked the question, for some reason, the first thought that came to mind was actually before I, I grew up in the church, but I didn't really, you know, I grew up in 90s youth culture and stuff, and I thought I was a really good Christian. But I went through in college, I went through what is sadly very common walking away from faith, deconstructing sort of. And uh, when that happened, you know, most of my friendships and social structures were built on uh, the church, my involvement in the local church. um, And that kind of went away. So very early on in college for about two and a half years, between 18 and 21 or so, you know, I just started hanging out with, uh, people. Um, I was, I was, uh, not walking with the Lord had walked away from my faith and I was, I was drinking a lot on the weekends. I mean, I was drinking a lot, um, consuming a lot of alcohol. And I remember thinking that these friends that I was spending all this time with were like really close friends. (laughs) Like, And I guess in some ways they were. I was spending a lot of time with them. We, you know, we laughed a lot together. Uh, We had some stuff in common. Yeah, I I enjoyed being with them, I think, for the most part. Um, But later, as that path kind of got more and more destructive and I started feeling more and more lost, uh, Mm. I realized that. I was holding on to these friendships because I felt like if I didn't hold on to them, like the, the really honest thing about it was if I didn't hold on to these friendships, I thought I would have like nothing else left. I thought this is, this is the structure of my life. So if I, if I deconstruct this too, I'm going to lose. I don't, there's nowhere else to go. I've walked away from God. You know, I felt kind of like the prodigal son, you know, like I'm in this pigsty, And these pigs are my friends, not, not that they were pigs. They're great people. I'm sure. And God bless them. But you know, the situation we were in. Yeah. Very messy. These corn cobs are delicious. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. You know, it's like eating the food fed to the pigs and trying to convince myself it was really tasty or something. I just, I I distinctly remember having that experience because of a series of events uh, when I was 21, where, my life kind of came crashing down. I actually shared a part of the story. At yeah, Easter. the
0: car crash, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Car accident. Yeah, so it yeah. Was after that car accident, I, I spent like a month at home doing nothing. I dropped out of school, quit my job all in the same week. I totaled my car and then just called in, quit my job and dropped out of school at San Jose State. Wow, and dude. Just, everything lived like a hermit, you know, at home. And I remember that month where I didn't see anyone, didn't do anything. I remember realizing the honest truth about my situation, which was um, that wasn't deep, meaningful friendship. That was the facade of belonging built on these wobbly stilts of sort of like inebriated pleasure or something, you know, yeah, yeah. we're all numbing ourselves out to convince one another that we were having a great time. And yeah. uh, I just, I really distinctly remember that feeling. And, I, you know, my guess is that some folks listening to this could probably relate. I mean, I think it's pretty common to, uh, you know, sort of a binge drinking life. You, you end up drinking to have a good time. And then you, you just keep drinking, numbing yourself out, and then get to a point where you're like, if I don't do this, everything's going to come crashing down, you know, so yeah. I'm just going to kind of doing this. And, uh, and I, I, I personally needed a literal car crash to snap me out of that. Yeah. Wake you up. Yeah. Sort of situation. I've had lots of different moments like that, but that's the one that comes to mind. Cause I remember distinctly realizing in that month, just kind of resting at home. Oh, I've been living a lie. I remember saying that phrase, you know, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. Like I've been living a lie, and I need to pursue truth. I need to get honest about yeah uh, what 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 I really need, what I'm really longing for. And uh, and then a couple of guys that I grew up in church with, they were a few years older than me. Divine providence. This is back in the days of pagers. You guys remember? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had a cell phone, like a flip phone and a pager. I remember one of them. Wow. Did you? So I called them. It was like totally divine God or orchestrated thing. Like uh, a week or two after my car crash, he, he paged me and I called him and then I started going to this Monday night hangout with these guys and encountered Jesus. And then it felt like I was like, finding truth i mean that sounds like weird hyperbole or something but i really felt that way yeah it's like like it was the most sober gathering i had been in in three years and it was also the most honest gathering of people i had been sober
0: with. in quite a few different ways huh yeah
1: so yeah yeah that's the thing that comes to mind for me
0: well you know wobbly stilts of inebriated pleasure was the name of my punk band in college <laughs> so <laughs> we have that in common <laughs>
2: You know, though, as you begin to, what we're challenging is asking people to, you know, just pay attention to their heart and, and identify some of the lies. And I, I, I want to make sure we also are balanced with, it It, it's, it can be crippling Yeah. Um, when you recognize how deceitful you've been about things that you hold so dearly yeah. to and, and and then you, the, then you get where you can, you almost can't trust your heart. Hmm. Um, and and you, so you're, you're almost, you know, that's when, you know, Jay talked about the cycle of you, you, you think you, you think you got it all worked out and then you realize you don't. And after that happens to you a few times, you start to, your confidence gets to a point where you, you know, you can't move forward. And I would, again, that's why, that's why Christ came, but it's also, why restoration is such a a huge theme in the scriptures. It's not right. just forgiveness. It's not yeah. just, yeah, you're forgiven for that. Now work off your penance. It's restoration. It's it's right back to sonship and daughtership and yeah. and, and community with the holy God that you're never going to have pure motives. You're, your heart's going to always have something that's a little jacked. And so I, I want people to I hope that as Jay and I have brought this message that people will be honest with themselves about some deceitful patterns that are actually robbing them of joy, but also that I wouldn't want them to get so paralyzed that they're waiting for the pure moment where they can finally ask ask and answer all the questions so that now they're totally sure that they've dealt with their heart. I, I think that that kind of life is just, too, it's, it's, um, it's too tough on yourself. It, 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 there's more grace than that. Um, well, that's yeah. where Psalm, 50, that.
0: Psalm 51 helps you. And you guys both ended with this, yeah. this this idea of repentance. I know my transgressions, my sins always before me. And David wrote Psalm 51 after his great low moment, the, big, the lowest low of probably his life. And then renewal, like you talked about this, create in me a pure heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's the prayer for renewal. And then Steve, to your point, the restoration, restore to me, the joy of your salvation, grant me a willing spirit, sustain me. And those are, I mean, those are wonderful prayers, all yeah. three of them. And yeah. um, they're really helpful.
1: His prayer, you know, David's prayer created me <clears throat> a clean heart. Um you know if you if you put that in dialogue with like that really beautiful verse from Ezekiel Ezekiel 36 God says I will give you a new heart and put a new
0: take, I'll take from you, you your heart of flesh your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh right yeah. yeah
1: so there's an answer to that request you know God promises to do that for us to give us a new heart and a new spirit and then if you think about spirit you know um we talk about this a lot, actually, you know, when David says, renew a steadfast spirit in me, and God says in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new spirit. That word spirit in, uh, in Hebrew is the word ruach, and in Greek, it's the word pneuma, and both ruach and pneuma, they mean spirit, which also means wind or breath, and traditionally, they talked about it very interchangeably, that idea of breath, so you could read it as you know, I will give, he's, David says, renew a steadfast breath within me. God says, I will give you a new breath. And I think that gets to Steve's point. What is breath? Like, I don't, I don't take one big gulp of breath and then I'm good for the rest of my life. (laughs) I'm just like constantly in a state of breathing. Even as I sleep, I breathe, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of the prayer is that yes, because Jeremiah 17 on its own is really depressing. <laughs> like the yeah. The heart the people who can cure it, who can understand it has no cure. It's like, well, we're screwed. No, 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 we're <laughs> not. screwed. It is deceitful. But when we ask God for re- renewal and restoration, he answers and he says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. Uh, I'll give you new breath. I'll, every breath you take, you know, God can breathe his spirit in us which overcomes the deceit of our hearts so it's this ongoing life of asking god uh repenting and then asking god for renewal and restoration every step of the way it's uh it's not a static set of solutions to problems no it's dynamic gift of
0: god yeah that's a lie yeah that's That's good and and it seems like you're saying that this is not a one-time thing uh this is a this is obviously ongoing and, and in it to a certain extent daily. <laughs> yeah. It's one. Yeah. Any closing words, you guys, as uh, we kind of end on this first, this first week, am I being honest with myself? Really? Any other final, final thoughts is, I know there's gotta be folks out there. It was really interesting, just even pastorally, so many people flooded forward saying we're in the middle of some big decisions or we got some tough stuff coming. Um, this was, this was really timely. I think for a lot of folks, um, just as people begin to sort through, especially folks who are going through big decisions or have heavy things on their hearts and minds, uh, any thoughts or, or pastoral wisdom or insight as 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 you speak to those folks?
2: I don't know how much wisdom it is, but um, I would just remind folks that uh, in James it says if we if we lack wisdom and we do, and we want wisdom, and we do, and, and this series is about gaining wisdom, that it's really, it says we can ask. It, and, yeah. and that God generously gives without fault. Yeah, He gives it to all without, in other words, he's not, he's not just, you know, okay, I'll give you a little, but you don't, you know, if, when we open ourselves up to the path of being honest with ourselves and, and, and trying to gain a heart of wisdom, he's ready to throw open the gates of heaven and um and give wisdom to people without yeah. reproach. Yeah. And I would just remind folks of the heart of the father is he wants to help. Yeah, you know what, so good. what what good father would have a child come to them and say can you help me with this and you say no nah, figure it out yourself. You know no. <laughs> no a yeah. good father would say yeah of course I will help and
0: Yeah. That's that's so encouraging, Steve. What a what a great what a great closing thought. Um, well, thank you guys both for your work on this and uh, helping us to see to overcome self deception. To I, I think your uh, Andy Stanley's words were to punch through, <laughs> which I, I really think that that's really good. And uh, thank you guys both. And uh, hopefully we're all a little wiser as we uh, take a step forward into next week.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank Thanks, you. guys. <laughs> Just want to say thanks to Steve and Jay for stopping by and um, uh, we'll see you next week when we dive into the second question of this line of five questions that we're uh, going to be posing to help us become people who are wise and we'll see you next week.